0: You are now listening to episode 215 of the Big Bang Buzzcast, recorded on June 21st, 2021. I'm Roxanne. And I'm Nicole. And we're going to be talking about episode 202 of the Big Bang Theory, the Codpiece Topology. Which, I looked up Codpiece this morning because I realized, like, I have actually no idea what a Codpiece is. No. (laughs) Do you know what a Codpiece is? yes (laughs) yes <laughs> yeah i didn't <laughs> well why don't you define it for us for those like me who didn't know per wikipedia it is a covering flap or pouch that attaches to the front of the crotch of men's tr- trousers enclosing the genital area so, which yeah.
1: we've all seen pictures or paintings with cod pieces yes
0: yes I've I always never thought. knew what it was called. I
1: used to think that they were like really like extra, but then I was like, oh, this is probably like a safety thing. <laughs>
0: but
1: <laughs> at first I was just like, okay, guys, we get it. You are men. You just want to draw attention to your crotch. But then I was like, oh, you know, it's probably for like not getting hurt. <laughs>
0: Well, one of the lines in the Wikipedia article is, "As time passed, cod pieces became shaped and padded to emphasize, rather to, rather than to conceal." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like I was like looking at the episode title, and I was like, I don't know actually what this is, and I couldn't remember like how it came up in the episode, and then it was just like Sheldon's one-off mention of an excuse to wear that, amongst other things. But yeah. So that was me learning new vocabulary this week. Good job! (laughs) Yes. And so we don't have any news this week, so we're just going to jump right into the discussion. So the episode starts with the guys coming back from a Renaissance Fair and Sheldon complaining greatly about it and the details that were not accurate to the time period,
1: which anyone who's watched a historical movie with me knows that this is a way in which I am very much like Sheldon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I told a friend she was having me, we are watching, uh, maybe it was Seabiscuit. She was like, I've never seen this movie before. And if we watch it together, you have to promise not to pause every five minutes to explain what's wrong. And I was like, "They are actu- that movie actually was very, very historically accurate in terms of like, costuming and like details and stuff like that they didn't even change the story all that much they just exaggerated a little bit I was like the reason I pause constantly when I'm watching Seabiscuit with someone is because there's a lot of fun facts that are not in the movie and I am just providing context however if you watch the movie Secretariat with me I will be pausing it every five seconds to rant about how appallingly and insultingly wrong they got a lot of their shit i won't go into that today but i might find a way to circle back to it in the episode where leonard is playing jockey on Wii, because that will be a little bit of an excuse to go on a horse racing rant (laughs) actually i think we recorded that episode already because it was after we started podcasting so you may all have escaped it but anyway i the same way with historical issues um, I don't know if I would have gotten so specific as his thing about like, oh, it would have been much harder to get this product at that time. So it's unlikely that like peasants would have had it like, OK, if the product is accurate to the time, whatever. But like a, a lot of the stuff I do get picky about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree that there is a difference between like whether or not something existed and like if it would have been likely to maybe been there versus like no this didn't even exist until like several several years later so
1: right like if the country was using sugar at the time I don't care if there was a shortage of sugar for like the accuracy of like a recipe but it would be an interesting fun fact in like a museum like some of those houses that are now museums and it's like oh this recipe calls for this but in this time fun fact They may have used this instead. Like, that's interesting for a museum. For a Renaissance Fair, you can be slightly... I mean, okay, most people would probably say you can be much more off-base. I'm saying slightly because I have a history degree and I'm kind (laughs) of a dick about this stuff. But the biggest thing that I am wondering from this opening scene is remember how they all wanted to be Flash at that Halloween party? Mm -hmm. How did they get themselves into all different costumes, and not fight about that.
0: I don't know. Like, I don't like, know if there was, like, if there would have been one that they all would want to be anyways.
1: Um, the knight, obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you haven't been to a renaissance fair, have you? I have. Oh, you have. I There's remember. one in Detroit. I've been once a few years ago. We went, um, I went with my Quidditch team. It was fun. I'd like to go again at some point.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a renaissance festival um, in actually, I don't think it's in Detroit. But yeah, um, there is a uh, there's a renaissance festival here that I would I went to a couple times like when I was much younger, I have not gone as an adult. But Hmm. I actually, um, my old flute teacher used to get like these like, not real, but like mock up like older versions of instruments and stuff there, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, when I went, I took um uh Sheldon's approach at the end of the episode. So I went dressed as uh the thirteenth doctor. Okay. And then yeah. there were a couple other um other doctors that I passed at the convention or not at the convention, at the fair. And so like a couple of them like we passed by and we just kind of like nodded at each other in recognition. Like uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, fellow doctor. <laughs> so that was fun. But yeah, so They're returning from the fair, and they run into Penny. And her date... What was his name? I wrote it down. Eric? Eric. Yeah. Eric. And, like, she introduces Eric, and then there's, like, this little look between Leonard and Penny where, like, Leonard just looks, like, sad, and Penny's... I don't know how to describe Penny's look, but, like... Uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember, like, that's the moment that I, like, did lots of screen caps and gifs of back in the day
1: i loved how when um they showed up and penny's like oh it looks like you've been in the renaissance fair i'm hoping (laughs) this isn't just your day-to-day um interaction here um also oh going back a little bit um when howard talks about um uh, having the women in the corsets and then Sheldon says like bosoms wouldn't have said howdy in the 15th century the first use of howdy was actually in the 16th century so like not as far off as one might think like you would think oh like howdy is some like wild west you know 1860s shit but it was in like the mid to late 1500s that um, there it was a Either an English or a Scottish like dialect started using howdy.
0: I have never thought about the historical use of the word howdy. <laughs> well, that see, is interesting.
1: When you hear howdy, I feel like people think of like, uh, like, I just think Texas exactly. And like, there weren't random people like there weren't like cowboys in Texas in the fifteenth century.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: You know um actually i mean in the 1500s there were like conquistadors and stuff but like when you think of like the like american cowboy that's more 19th century
0: Mm -hmm. yeah even though like howard is being himself and gross in that scene i did like his line about like i don't care what they say i just want to be part of the conversation (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) i did like that too and then another with Howard here, I like when they were, Eric and Penny were heading out and he said that he liked his hat and Howard's just, thanks, my mom made it. Yes. <laughs> like, he had like absolutely no shame in admitting that, which I'm kind of like, okay, there's definite things about you that are embarrassing, but it's like, he seemed like really proud of the fact that his mom made it. And I'm going to yeah. take that because he spends so much of the series acting like his mom is like this huge inconvenience in his life that like, he actually is just
0: like, oh my God, my mom made my costume and it's great. And i'm kind of like you go howard (laughs) i also just really liked thinking about mrs wallowitz making the hat because like so much of like when we quote-unquote see her or hear her it's just her like yelling and complaining but like so then just like imagining her like yeah like sitting down and agreeing to make this hat for him made me happy yeah so penny and eric head out um and then Howard and the other guys talk about how that was awkward, which Leonard tries to deny.
1: What else was I going to say?
0: Oh, um, when
1: they were talking earlier in it about how Sheldon was like, people need to learn you can't just put ye old in front of anything and expect to get away with it. I don't even think that... Yield in that form is even, like, how people talked back then. Like, I've heard that it's, like, more of a, like, stereotype Old English, and, like, it's not even, like, really pronounced that way either. Mm -hmm. Um, and... I actually heard it was, like, in, like, the 19th century where they actually started using that. So if Sheldon wants to be like, oh, you can't just put ye old in front of something and make it 15th century. I don't even think that ye old" was something used in the 15th century.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that I have heard. It sounds familiar that, like, that wouldn't actually be admittedly
1: that period of history is not something that i've done a whole lot of extensive studying of um it just doesn't interest me as much as other time periods um i think because it gets so like i think it's because of like renaissance fairs and it just has become so like cartoony and a lot of it is you don't know what people have created for that environment and what is actually accurate. Um, that it just always seemed kind of like, you know, like how if you see like some like middle-aged man and you ask him what's his favorite part of history and they say World War II, you're like immediately like, oh, this person's boring. Um because <laughs> you know that they're just into like tanks and wars and shit. Um, I'm like, I feel like Renaissance stuff I never really got into just because it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's everybody's into that and everyone has a bunch of like wrong ideas about it because of Renaissance fairs. It kind of reminds me of on Friends when Rachel was buying all that Ikea stuff and kept saying it was from the colonial times. And then Ross is like, oh, what are some other time periods? Because it was like (laughs) the only thing she could come up with. Like, I'm like, if someone asks you what's your favorite part of history and you're like, World War II or Renaissance, everyone's like, okay, you know, very basic like stuff about it. Now, I have one friend. She is actually like so into the 40s where like she dresses authentically, like in her day to day life, like she'll be in like Target shopping, wearing like 1940s clothing. Like, part of it it is part of it is a little weird to me. But then the other part of it, I'm just like, it's so accurate. And she's so committed to that aesthetic and has absolutely no shame that I also kind of respect it. Yeah, yeah, that
0: sounds like that sounds cool.
1: I will send you some pictures of her and stuff like that. She's um actually getting married soon to someone who like his job is like a World War II soldier, like reenactor person. Mm-hmm. Like th- they are both extremely. He he actually I have seen him in straight clothes. I have never seen her in like normal quote unquote clothing.
0: Um, I just googled 1940s fashion just to get like a, a a clearer idea of what sort of stuff she's wearing. Oh, <laughs> I'm digging it. it.
1: It's, like, committed, like, I I also understand how some people are, like, look, like, people who are, like, aesthetically, like, connected to the 40s and 50s, like, they're the ones who are, like, come on, guys, we still have milkshakes and racism, like, why are you so, but, like, she is very, like, it's the costumes, it's not just, like, I want to sit in a diner and drink milkshakes and hate black people, like, it's not like that for her, it's, like, I want to, like, wear the specific clothes and wear the hairstyles. And, like, that is just my aesthetic. And she is so incredibly committed to it. And I absolutely love it. But, yeah, anyway, circling back, I don't know as much about Renaissance stuff off the top of my head as some other areas. um, But I definitely don't believe that Yield is accurate at all. So if you're putting that in front of whatever, I feel like just go for it. Like, yeah, because it's already wrong, so you're just kind of rolling with it and it's like if you're gonna be a little bit wrong just be more wrong
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: you know tomato's a suspension bridge today guys and we're just rolling with <laughs> it
0: i also liked just the, like the quick line mentioning how um leonard spent the afternoon making soap with Wallowitz, just like picturing them like at like a little like booth or stand and like deciding like hey like let's make soap this sounds like fun Right. I, like that I mean, it does take
1: a while to make soap, so if you were like, oh, that's cool, let's do that, they might be like, oh, we didn't realize it was going to take this long.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, after the credits, we have the guys in the apartment. Leonard says he's glad that Penny's moving on, because it gives him the freedom to move on, and then the other guys are like, you were holding back before. <laughs> um. And in Leonard, he tries to say like how he's dated plenty of women, but all he can come up with is Joyce Kim and Leslie Winkle, which apparently he forgot about the French uh, literature lady who Sheldon mentioned in just the last episode.
1: I know. And I'm like, how does Sheldon not come up with that? Although, didn't I don't remember the exact line. Didn't he say, like, he went out with a woman who had a PhD in French literature, so he might not consider it dating if they had, like, one or two dates?
0: Well, I mean, like, he's still counting what he did with Penny as dating, even though that was one date, so I feel like his bar is fairly low.
1: (laughs) That's also Penny, though. Like, if I went on, like, one date with, like... Let's just pull a celebrity I totally don't have a crush on out of thin air. Charlize Theron. Let's say I went on one date with her. And then let's say I was, like, dating someone random person for, like, a year. And then we broke up. I would probably say I've dated two people. Even though, like, really, I only dated that one person. But I went out with Charlize Theron and I am fucking counting that. So (laughs) it might be something like that. Okay, literally, my friends in Kentucky... They know about my crush on Charlize, like, so much that, like, any time they see a picture of her in any context, they send it to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, hi, we haven't spoken in a week, but you're sending me pictures of Charlize Theron that you saw on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Never complaining. But, yeah, I mean, he might just be, especially since the guys kind of rag on him about it, he might just be like, I dated Penny.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, as a sort of making it sound better. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and then he also comes up with some girl at Comic Con apparently, which Raj Raj says doesn't count because what happens in costume at Comic Con stays at Comic Con. But then, like Raj's story behind that, like I would say it's one of the things that didn't age well. But it probably was it wasn't great at the time the episode aired, anyways
1: yeah i mean it's also possible that this character was a guy that was cosplaying as a girl and was just rolling with it it's also possible that this was a transgender woman we don't know um because it aired and it's old at this point we kind of just have to be like well this is a joke that exists and You're kind of torn between pretending maybe it's not that because I mean, like you've cosplayed as the ninth doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, it could just be and I do know like and by know I mean like these are people I'm actually friends with not like, oh, I saw this person in a Facebook group once who they are cisgender and they will cosplay as another gender and like as they're not like cosplaying as a transgender person they're cosplaying as a character who is canonically a different gender than they are and they just full-on commit to it while they're cosplaying um and that is different than being transgender um but i feel like I don't know. I feel like the context here is probably more of a problematic joke than getting that nuanced.
0: Yeah. Although
1: the fact that Raj and Howard know, they used two names to refer to this person, you and this person, the slave girl with a male name. And then that person told me that their name was girl name. The fact that they know the male name might mean that, That person was cosplaying because generally, like a transgender person, is not just going to be like, "Oh, this is my name," but like, "This is the name that I was born and given."
0: Yeah, and it's just weird then that the person cosplaying would give a fake female name, and especially since
1: uh, I I don't feel like Kimberly is like a like I don't want to say a traditional slave girl name because that sounds terrible but i don't know it, it's it's interesting to me but then like there are i don't know i don't know i feel like i feel like it was just a gross joke and we're reading too much into it but i do want to say that there are cisgender people who cosplay as a different gender that very much commit to it cuz it's a costume and it's a performance and it's you know stuff like that and you know j- just because like there are I don't know how to say things in like a super great way because I don't I I'm I, I'm more used to reading about stuff than having to explain it itself. I am mm-hmm. saying that it is there it is possible for men to cosplay as female characters where they appear as if they could actually be mistaken for a woman. It's possible for women to do it as men. And then it's also possible that this situation with someone who is trans or gender yeah. fluid or a gender, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, it's not black and white. I don't want to give the show in 2008, especially too much benefited out. So it was probably a transphobic joke, but I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it is uh, like, there's not <clears throat> a whole lot of info. Like you said, to really know for sure what was going on. But, like, I like even if it wasn't supposed to be a transphobic thing, like, it, I, I just don't think it's a funny joke, regardless of how it was
1: meant to be. Right, do. because, like, the joke was, ha-ha, Raj kissed a guy. Like, okay. Yeah. So what if he did? Who gives a fuck? Like, it's biphobic, at the very least. Especially since then Raj is the one that that quote-unquote happened to, and then Raj is the one that, like they would make like ha ha he's gay jokes but not really like throughout the whole show to the point like when we were doing like season 12 episodes i'm like look make him gay or bi or cut the shit yeah just pick one right and i just i mean they did that joke in friends too where joey was like oh this girl had such a giant adam's apple and they're like he 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 who's gonna tell him like
0: i don't know why
1: that's funny but And I feel like those jokes are made more – so in general, like one thing that I struggle is I don't read a lot of um, like fiction stories where it's a man-man relationship just because I know a lot of people, both people that I know in my personal life and a lot of sentiment that I see online is there's a lot of mostly straight women who will read male-male fiction romance um, either because they're fetishizing gay men or they um, are like, oh, I I can read a gay relationship and say, show how tolerant I am. But because neither of these characters would actually be attracted to me, I don't have to feel uncomfortable with it. Like, um, I had a male coworker who was very uncomfortable with gay men. And while I do believe him when he said that he doesn't. He he's not he never gave me the impression that he was all like, oh, maybe those lesbians would come home with me. Like he was not like that. He was an older man, he was very happily married. I never got the impression that he was sexualizing lesbians. But he told me that he was much more comfortable with homosexual relationships when it was two women. And I'm thinking, right, because neither of those women are gonna hit on you. But the men might. So there's actually a, a TikTok that went around like book twitter recently where um there's an author who came out with a very well received and i think amazon actually got movie rights to it um book about two men in a relationship and she recently came out with another book that's two women in a relationship and this reviewer was like oh um it would be really cute. And I really liked this other book. Like, I don't have a problem with these people being gay, but like, you know, I was kind of attracted to them and like, they were really cute. And like this book, honestly, my main problem is they're lesbians. Like I'm bored. Like I'm not attracted to women. Like why would I want to read this? And people were like, okay, we, we, we need to unpack a lot of this because she was basically fetishizing the gay men in the other book. She was wrong. She was infantilizing them too because she was like, Oh, they were so cute. They were so adorable. They were like my babies.'" And then but she was also attracted to them. So she was like turned on by the sex scenes, whereas like when it was two women, she's like, "Eh." and so it's to the point where like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with male male fiction, not necessarily in reading it, but in talking about it, like in a public forum, because I don't know how many of these people that I would be talking with. Are being gross about it, like oh, we Mm -hmm. like it because it's two men and because I'm a woman, and so like that's hot, which is kind of the version of straight guys thinking that lesbians are hot and like lesbian relationships are hot, and so and also like, like books that are two men are more likely to get film rights than books with two women. Like this book that I'm referring to that I'm not going to name, but anyone. People can probably figure out what I'm talking about. That book got film rights from Amazon. There was a young adult um, novel that was about a gay teenager, which got film rights and a net, and now has a Netflix series um, that came out a couple years ago. Which is a book that I love, and I went and I saw, and it was great. Um, but it's like I, it's, it, even as a gay woman, it, it's harder for me to think of like a mainstream thing that is as heavily featuring to women like I can think of some but they're a lot more niche yeah but and that that's the downside of male male versus female female where I kind of get annoyed at how male male is treated from as opposed to female female but on the flip side um women don't get the ha ha that person was secretly another woman that you kissed jokes almost never I can never come up with a situation like that but The whole idea of, like, a guy pretending to be a woman, like, trapping this other guy and, like, fooling the straight guy into kissing another guy. Like, those jokes are made so much more often. And just like when people talk about, like, transgender people using the restroom they want. Like, no one's like, I don't want women to come in the men's bathroom. It's always, I don't want men coming into the women's bathroom. And it's like, first of all, trans women are women, so it's not a man in a woman's restroom. But second of all, the fact that homosexuality is so tied into, like, feminization, Um, those gross jokes are made more when it's a guy, ha-ha, that was a gay kiss, you know, like, what happened to Raj? That's funny, that's a joke, it's embarrassing, more than women. So that's kind of the, I don't want to say advantage of being a gay woman, because we get a lot less, like, positive and, like, mainstream representation in media. Um, But the men... The men, I feel like, have the more insulting jokes that can be made about them. hmm And that was very long-winded, um, but it's just something that really bothers me, both sides of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I never – I hadn't thought about before how, like, how you said the, like, pretending to be the other gender to, like, the trick into a kiss, how, like, it, you never see that, like, flipped the other way with the woman – You don't
1: like you're never like, oh, that person I thought was a guy, but they're actually like a woman, Um, you know, even even on like ambush television, like on Jerry Springer, when you would have like um, people come on and be like, oh, I was when I was born, they said I was this other gender like it was more often Ha ha! Like I was a guy, like that's technically kind of gay, like it's so problematic, but it's more about it with the men because it's the whole like oh gay people are feminine stereotype, so like if you did anything that could be gay, then that's that's a hit to your masculinity or some bullshit mm-hmm. um but yeah you you much I've actually never heard of this joke, like I kissed somebody who I thought was a guy, but was actually a girl. Like I've never heard of that happening, but I kissed someone who I thought was a girl and surprise. And that's embarrassing. Like I can name multiple shows that that's happened on. So I know we're fixating a lot on this, like one scene, but it's something that like, I'm more qualified to talk about than if there was like a joke about disabled people that was offensive um, or a, a racially charged joke, like, This is something that I have more experience in and that I, I can speak more on because I've heard enough people talk about it. Obviously I'm not a gay guy, but like it, it affects the whole LGBT community. Um, so it's a little more my lane, these types of things and some other issues. So I get very heated up, but the, the book thing where like straight women, usually straight white women, um, kind of fetishize the gay relationships and go, oh, my God, they're so cute. I love this so much. But then if it's the same story with lesbians, it doesn't get the same traction. Um, That was actually like something that I had a very extensive conversation with um, some of my friends the other day because they kept recommending this book to me. And I'm like, I cannot read this book because I am not uncomfortable with the content of the book, but I am very uncomfortable with a lot of the narrative surrounding the book. And also no shade to these friends, because I know that they're not like this, but I know for a fact a couple of them have actually never read a book with a female-female romance at the forefront. And so them constantly talking about how cute these books with the male-male romances are, it makes me a little uncomfortable. I know that they're not like that, but it's that their attitude isn't the problematic attitude, because I know them well enough, but it's kind of a sign that these books came on their radar when the books with two female romantic leads, they've never read because they've never heard of them because they don't get the same attention. Yeah. And I am not saying to clarify that these, but these books with gay male romances should get less attention. I'm saying that the female, female romances should get the same amount of attention as the male, male romances are rightfully getting, because I understand it's still representation. But just being representation, a lot of people are like, oh, there's a lot of gay literature out there. And then they list the same couple of books. And I'm like, yeah, but that's all male, male. Why can you not come up with books with bisexual leads? Why can't you come up with books with lesbian leads? Like, why is everything that just pops to the front of your brain always two men? Like, it's good that these books are getting movies. It's good that these books are being well-received. But not all attention is good attention. And these people fetishizing and like straight women fetishizing gay men because they're attracted to men. And oh, my goodness, this is two men to be attracted to now is a problem. And lesbians should be able to find books and cute movies and all this other stuff just as easy. And it kind of bothers me when people are like, oh, Nicole, you're gay. Have you read this book? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, how come people never recommend to me straight people, a straight person has never not even once been like, oh, LGBT literature. Have you read this and given me a book that involves two women that has literally never happened to me? Uh And I'm like, why not? And it's funny, like, it's always the same two or three titles Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) that they're like, have you read? And I'm like, hang on, I'm a woman. You know that I'm a gay woman, so I'm attracted to other women. So why are you... And then there's someone, then there will be other people, like other LGBT women, who are like, hey, Nicole, here's this book... And it's got lesbian and asexual or romantic rep in it. You should read this. And I'm like, see, this is someone who actually knows me and isn't just let me think of any book I can come up with off the top of my head, which is going to be one of these same three books with two men in a relationship in it. Those people actually know me, but I literally not once have had a straight woman recommend a book to me that was LGBT that was not two men. <laughs> And now we've spent way too far on that. But that is my rant. And honestly, it will probably come up again because it bothers me. And I am sorry if I didn't articulate everything perfectly um, because I was not actually planning to go on this rant. Um, But it's something that's just been really bothering me. And circling back to being on topic, it does bother me at the same time that gay men constantly have to be the butt of jokes, which this scene that we were just talking about it's either transphobic or it's homophobic or it's biophobic. It's one of those three, regardless of how you crack it.
0: Yes. And it's
1: still shitty. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not like, oh, gay men have it great now. So, like, we need to just let shit go. Like, no, I'm frustrated as fuck about these book movie situations and about the way that straight women handle LGBT literature. But this stuff that happens to the men is still super shitty and it bothers me a lot. And now we can move on. Um, So Sheldon doesn't like Leslie. That's where we were, right? Although I did love when they asked why he doesn't like her. And he was like, oh, like her research is bad and she's arrogant. And he just adds, and to make it worse, she's often mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's his ultimate
0: problem. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to.
1: This was actually my first exposure to Leslie because, you know, I'd only seen the grasshopper experiment in the bad fish paradigm prior to this.
0: What was, is she, when does she come up later? And I guess, oh, I don't know. I guess she's kind of randomly throughout this season, huh? This is when she was in it the most dish.
1: I think the first time that you would have seen her would have been when Howard starts hooking up with her in the cushion saturation.
0: Probably. Something like that,
1: but yeah, that was another case where I get. This is my first exposure to her, and I'm still relatively new with the other characters as well. But like, I remembered Sheldon being like very childish and bad fish, and then in this one, he's like, "She's mean to me." And so it was
0: just <laughs> like, it was a very interesting introduction to Sheldon that I got. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Leonard's considering. Um, moving on by going back to Leslie, basically. Which is
1: interesting. Like, I'm moving on by returning to where I was prior to Penny. Because
0: that went so well the first time with Leslie. (laughs) Right. I mean, maybe they hooked up at New Year's. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, so then the Sheldon and Leonard are at the university cafeteria. Uh, Leslie greets Sheldon as Dummy. Which Sheldon responds, hello to you, insufficiently intelligent person. <laughs> I really like
1: Leslie's arrogance because she's just very confident. And I feel like she on some level views Sheldon as like a decent rival in terms of whatever battle they're dealing with personally. But like she also, I feel it's kind of like cat and mouse where she's toying with him. Yeah. Like um, like later on when Sheldon... um um or when uh howard texted leslie about penny's thing with uh leonard and then leslie's like oh it was pretty good i gave him an lol like she's like she's the authority to distribute lols to men like
0: (laughs) i really (laughs) like that energy yeah it's like academically she'll like view like like you said like view him as a rival but like when it comes to like these like verbal jabs it's like she knows that she hasn't beat (laughs)
1: exactly exactly and she's just kind of like oh this is a fun little brain exercise that i can do in between actual situations yeah um or when sheldon like insults her work and then he's like a lame insult and he's like yeah you heard me and she's just like <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> i was i kind of wondered so like when he leaves and he like like pushes his tray down on the thing and then it falls to the floor. Like, I almost wondered if that was like a blooper that happened on a take. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we like that. Do that again. Or if it was like scripted that way, because I could have seen it going either way. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Most I, feel of, like, I think I thought ahead. about it because like the, the episode where like he throws up all the sheets of paper and one yeah. lands on his fo- on his shoulder like that was just like randomly happened. And then they were like, oh, yes, OK, we're going to like keep that. Um,
1: I liked, there was like discussion on the internet about people who were like, I wonder if that was on purpose or not. And I'm like, do you realize how hard it would have been to do that on purpose (laughs) through multiple (laughs) takes? Like, there is no way something like that got scripted. And then part of me for this, I was like, well, I feel like if it was a blooper, they would have broken and started laughing. But like, I feel like half the time, the stuff that they start laughing at is scripted anyway. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, so Leslie is now saying that she does not want to, she wants to resume what she was doing with Leonard, but also not really, because she wants to do the relationship thing. But it also seems like she wants to do it like very by a book instead of like the way that a relationship should develop.
0: Yeah, because it's very much she's, like, giving him, like, the exact play-by-play play for how that night should go, even though then she's like, oh, but you can fill in the details.
1: Um, I, as much as I hate gender roles, I also love how she'll, like, list a bunch of stuff and then just be like, but it's up to you, you're the man. <laughs> like it's
0: better if you assume the male role. <laughs> which,
1: is, which I just love.
0: Um, and then Leonard's just like, thank you, that's very thoughtful. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, between that and then when she leaves, her little, like, call me, it's, like, she's basically, she's very much filling into the role of, like, this is how she's, like, read or seen or whatever, like, this is how she believes, like, a relationship and dating should work, so she's just, like, herself, like, fill in that role. And it just does not fucking work. (laughs) So then back at the guy's apartment with Leonard and Sheldon... Sheldon has just received his Nintendo 64 from his mom and is getting ready to play Mario. Which, so, like, I was never, like, big into gaming, especially, like, with, like, consoles, but my cousins had a Nintendo 64, and one of the games that they had was that um, Mario 64 or whatever it's called. So, like, Mm -hmm. that is, like, one game that, like, makes me nostalgic. Like, we remember going over and playing with that.
1: Mario is so like, like the only game I've ever played with a console, yeah. um, but wasn't Mario 64 like the first like 3D game? I'm not sure. I don't know.
0: I, I, I have like remember, random like,
1: ass memories of that, but I could be wrong.
0: I just remember like running around and like exploring the castle and the ground and then there were like games that were like slides you would go down and yeah, I don't know. It was fun.
1: I liked um, later in this scene where um, Leonard's like, I have someone coming over, and Penny's like, I have three controllers, and Leonard's like, it's a date. And Sheldon's like, well, you can't blame me for not assuming, <laughs> or whatever. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and also, like, I am agree with Sheldon. Like, it's not cool for Leonard to just be like, last minute, hey, by the way, you need to leave, I have someone coming over. Like, give the dude a heads up.
1: Right, and also, like it's it's his apartment like i i don't really like i mean if it's something like hey i want to propose can you not be here like with notice go for it but like if it's like a like a first date or a very early relationship like i really don't feel like you can ask your roommate to just leave the apartment or the house like every time you have someone over yeah like get a hotel room Or go to their place if they don't have a roommate. And I don't think Leslie does. um, Or just ask that the person like stay in like when when I'm in Kentucky with my friends and one of them um, when her girlfriend would come over, we would all either hang out in the living room or we would all hang out in our rooms or me and my friend would hang out in her room so that they could have the living room. But it's not, like, oh, hey, you have to, like, vacate the premises.
0: Yeah, with them being, like, roommates, there definitely should be, like, more of an aspect of, like, hey, is it all right if I have so-and-so over tonight? Or, like, you know, like, more exactly, or, like, or... When I was in college and I lived with
1: Emily, um, when her, well, like her now husband would come over like during the weekend and like we would hang out in the living room. And like, I hung out with them, but like they were dating like three years when I met Emily. So it was already like this very established thing. But if he was going to spend the night at our apartment, he just like Emily would ask me like, Hey, when are you going home for a weekend? And I would give her the weekends I was coming home. And those would be the weekends that he would come up. Now, It was a little harder in that situation because Emily and I shared a room. Um, But, you know, so it wasn't like I could, you know, we're in different bedrooms anyway. But, like, she arranged him coming over overnight for when I already wasn't going to be there.
0: Yeah, work around your schedule, not work around theirs. Because I'm the one that lives there. Yeah.
1: And like, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be situations where she would be like, hey, can you scram? You know, like, I get that. Um, Like I remember she was telling me that there was a time where like they were on a camping trip, and they were trying to get pregnant. And she has like that thermometer and she realized she was ovulating. And so she literally was just like, guys, go down to the, uh, go down to the lake and stay there for like an hour. (laughs) And so and everyone knew why. And everyone just peaced out and went down to the lake. And Emily was like, we'll come down there in a bit. And then, you know, it's safe to come back to the trailer. Like that was just the situation. But like, um, you know, in most situations I'm like, I live here and your significant other doesn't. And I won't bother you in the sense that, like, I'm not going to be, like, knocking on your door, like, hey, hey, or, you know, anything like that, but, like, I'm not leaving the property.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but Sheldon, in this case, does get kicked out. So Penny finds him on the first floor, I believe, of the building, sitting on the stairs, playing Super Mario on his laptop. And then this is me just, like, (coughs) overanalyzing... Every, like, little Leonard Penny moment, when, like, Penny finds out she has a date, he's just, she's just like, oh, good for him. And, like, her little, she, like, contemplating. Like, I don't think she's upset about it, but she's just kind of, I don't know, it's interesting to see her reaction.
1: I think that her reaction is more like she's interested in that. Like, oh, that's, that's not what I was expecting you to say. (gasps) It also kind of reminded me of season one when she found out that he was with Leslie. She oh, kind of yeah. I think she also said good for him then. You know, that's just kind of how she does that. Um and then Penny suggests that Sheldon go to a movie, but he wouldn't have anyone to do the Heimlich maneuver if he choked on his popcorn. Okay, the whole his thing about like why would I not order popcorn at the movies? for real who the fuck goes to a movie and doesn't order popcorn probably you because you go to movies all the time and you probably are sick of popcorn all the time but like in the once in a blue moon that i go to a movie i'm ordering popcorn oh my god the popcorn at the theater i saw cruella at was almost as bad as cruella it was a (laughs) disappointment um
0: yeah i was gonna say like back when i had the like a-list active and I was going, like, two or three times a month to the movies, like, I would very rarely get snacks or popcorn unless I had, like, reward points I was using. But, like, when I went um recently first with, like, um my family to see the Croods that, like, my brother-in-law organized it as, like, our big first, like, family, like, private showing out the movies. And then, like, recently when I went to see In the Heights... With the big group, like, both of those times, it's, like, I got popcorn, I got nachos, I got a big soda. It's, like, we're making this an event. So, yeah, if you don't go <laughs> often, you you dig into all that.
1: I think it's less of me making it an event and more of me, like, I have to be eating all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> like, if my if both of my hands are not occupied with something, I need to be eating. Like, if I'm at my computer, I'm typing, I'm doing stuff like that, like, that's fine. But, like, if I'm just, like, sitting in the living room or in a theater or something watching, I'm, like, what do I do with my hands if I'm not using them to put food in my mouth? (laughs) Also, I'm just hungry a lot. Like, I eat a lot.
0: Now I want popcorn.
1: I actually had popcorn this morning before we recorded. (laughs) Fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: And then... Penny saying, go to a coffee shop. I go, I do. Go, I used to go to coffee shops if I needed like Wi-Fi and then COVID happened and shit wasn't open. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? Like, I can't just go somewhere to boot up my computer and do shit. So that's annoying. Um, so then Wesley shows up. I think this is the first time we've heard her actually call Sheldon dumbass.
0: Possibly.
1: Because she called him dummy earlier. Um, and then she had very... I feel like this was when we kind of established the, like, they actively hate each other's guts. Like, they didn't... They weren't, like, great in the earlier... In season one. But I feel like this is when they really, like, kind of established, like, an active rivalry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then after she goes up, Sheldon asks, like, of everyone... All the overrated scientists or physicists. Why does it have to be Leslie? Which I thought it was I feel like that's a
1: Casablanca reference. Yeah, the way that the way that that sentence was structured, I think, is a Casablanca reference. But I could have been wrong. Um,
0: that's what movie were you going to say? What? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm not saying that in the sense that like Casablanca is the greatest movie that's ever existed. It's just a movie that I kind of assume that everyone has seen because like like high school English teachers have like the most raging boner for that movie that I kind of figured everybody <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in high school
0: multiple times with multiple teachers okay so back to Leonard and Leslie's date But really quick right before that I did okay. think it was interesting so like Leonard or Sheldon asks like why does it have to be Leslie and then Penny's like her answer is like well they have a lot in common and they're both ties famous. back
1: to the last episode mm-hmm. It ties back to Penny's insecurities.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Going back right to the previous episode, like, she didn't think it would work out because she was so different from him, like, education-wise and not a scientist. And now, like, she sees him with Leslie. And it's just kind of, like, confirming in her mind, like, hey, there you go. They're both scientists. That makes sense. So, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That stood out to me. Okay. So, yeah. Leonard and Leslie in the apartment. Um, Leslie decides to ask how many children they think they (laughs) should have. It's like, okay, no, well, okay, we'll step back a little bit from there. What genetic weaknesses are in your family? So she is thinking long-term.
1: I liked when at the end of the day, when Leslie was, like, double-checking that, like, he was okay with them postponing intercourse. And then Leonard's like, I'm very
0: good at that. (laughs) And then Sheldon heads up, or not Sheldon, Penny heads up the stairs returning um, from her date. And explaining Schrodinger's cat to him, however that came up.
1: Which I love. Um, maybe she was discussing, like, their relationship and if it was going to be viable. And then, I like how Eric was like, from the Charlie Brown cartoon?
0: <laughs> no! And then they have their competing goodnight kisses with their respective dates.
1: Their make-out war. Um, I love how Leslie, like, totally knew what was going on. (laughs) She's (laughs) like, that's not going to make your point. And then, like, or that ain't going to make your point. I love the way that she said it. And then she just, like, makes it work. She, like, makes it more intense. And I'm like, I love how she's, like, so actually not emotionally committed to Leonard that she's like, yeah, I'll help you, like, mind fuck with your, like, (laughs) with the crush across the hall.
0: Yeah. And just, like, with this episode, I like how, like, it would have been so easy, like, how sitcoms tend to, like, reset a lot after episodes anyways, for, like, they, for them to be like, okay, like, we dealt with Leonard and Penny, like, in the premiere, like, they're not going to move forward, and it would have been so easy for this episode to just, like, not address that at all anymore, but they still kind of had, like, okay, like, they're both moving on, but here here's still a little bit of, like, they're both, you know, clearly not completely over it yet, so...
1: Yeah, they just kind of drop rare. it here for a while, but I'm did glad that I am glad that they followed up. Yeah, at first,
0: and then um, I like how like as soon as like Leslie's gone and Leonard's <laughs> inside his apartment, Penny's just like, okay, good night, and like basically kicks her date out.
1: Especially since that was like the second date, and I feel like Penny's not normally a well, good night, leave it at the door, like on the second date. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, Grace and Frankie when, um, Brianna's like, um, oh, it's the second date, you know what that means, and then Bud's like, that it's the second time you're sleeping with
0: him. <laughs> I, I feel like,
1: um, I always really like that joke, because Brianna kind of, like, looks like she's gonna protest, and then she's just like, whatever, and then, like, continues on with the scene. Um... So then the next scene, right? Um, yeah. And I love, I love how Sheldon's like, we have to, or Howard's like, we have to go back because there's only so few places I can wear my Jester costume. I'm like, I have been to the area in which this show is set. And I feel like you can just wear a Jester costume on the street and you're only going to be the second or third weird, weirdest dress person out there.
0: I mean, like, I feel like you could wear it like on Hollywood Boulevard and people wouldn't notice much, but in general, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I
1: guess you guys don't have, because, like, in New York City, you have those people in Times Square who are, like, dressed ridiculous, and then they, like, try to get you to take a picture with them and then give them money.
0: Well, that's um, what I was, like, yeah, like, Hollywood Boulevard, that's where, like, there would be people like that.
1: Yeah, I feel like in a large city, if I saw someone dressed like that, I would be like, oh, they're probably like doing a work thing and that's a costume or like, I don't think I would bat an eye at it. Now, if I was in my hometown, which has approximately 3000 people in it, that might be a little interesting. But I feel like in a big city, I wouldn't bat an eye at anything like that. Now, going to events, like, if Howard means, like, oh, man, I can't just, like, go to a restaurant and adjust her costume, again, I would just be, like, not without attitude, you can't.
0: <laughs> I do relate, though, to, like, having, like, how I have, like, my Harry Potter robes, and it's, like, I'll wear them at whatever opportunity I have, where where whether it was, like, movie releases or, like, cons or whatever, like, so, like, certain costumes I have, it's, like, yeah, I'm gonna, like, get as much out of this as I can, so...
1: I'm just picturing me being like, you should wear it on Halloween, and you should be like, because it's not a costume, it's a (laughs) a wizard robe.
0: (laughs) No, but I did wear them for Halloween for like five years in a row, so.
1: I did have like a monk costume that I got at Michael's that I used as a Jedi robe for a long time. Nice. It might still fit me, because I mean, like, I'm not that much taller now than I was in middle school, because girls hit puberty before guys, but... I don't know. It worked. It was also cheap. Did it look authentic? No. But do I have more better things to spend my money on? Yes. So I bought like a $19 monk robe. I cut the fake chain and the cross off of the belt and I became Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: As long as it gets the job done.
1: It did. Everyone knew who I was. It also may have helped that my sister was walking next to me trick-or-treating dressed like Princess Leia and had an R2-D2 trick-or-treat bag that I made for her, and I get, still maintain I get full credit for all the compliments she got on that. But that did kind of help with the Jedi. But see, the good thing about the Jedi is, like, you have the lightsaber, and that kind of that that kind of completes it. Yeah. And, like, your robes, you have the stick. What? Why am I blanking on what it's called? A wand? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it looks like a stick, (laughs) but you know what I mean, so that probably also helps. Um, Although I guess, because I mean, like, wands are not exclusive to Harry Potter, but I feel like the combination of the robes and the wand, that makes it pretty clear. Yeah. I told you about that one person I was arguing with who thought that J.K. Rowling created the name Neville, right? I think so. Yeah, I was talking about Neville Chamberlain and they yeah, like said that now. neville was not a real name and i'm like yeah i understand that you're not british and then then i was like should i even bring up that hermione's not a made up <laughs> harry potter name either but i was like i'm struggling enough with neville here so i'm not going to i'm not going to adjust that yeah um although i did see did you see when um archie was born people were asking if prince harry was named after harry potter <laughs> and i'm like prince harry was born like 15 years before that
0: yeah
1: (laughs) but they were like oh my god like that's just proof of like how far how many people i'm like i'm sorry princess diana okay when did the when did the first book get published
0: uh 98 i think in the uk okay so like she was already dead
1: (laughs) Like, John Mulaney murdered her before the first Harry Potter book ever came out. Uh, Yep. Man, people are going to hate us for this episode. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then they're having another date. Yes. And... Sheldon is back outside with the extension cord, yes, but that's yeah, that's why he's on a higher floor,
0: yeah, he's because on the third of the floor this time, cord. Um, and then he asks Penny, like, "Are you sure things can't work out with you and Leonard?" because he decides that between Penny and Leslie he would rather he will remove his objections to Penny and rather have Leonard be with her.
1: I like his jokes about, like, I'm wondering if you gave it the old college try, or in your case, the old community college <laughs> try. Yeah.
0: And Penny says that, for now, Leonard and her are just going to stay friends. Which and leaves I the door open for the future. It does. For now. Yeah.
1: Um, And I like when Penny says that he's a smart guy, and he's like, I'd have to lose 60 IQ <laughs> points to be classified as smart. And then Penny's just like, are you going to just shut up and listen to me or <laughs> however she phrased it? Oh, I have the trans camp. Are you going to let me talk? There you go. Yeah. But I love how, like, she kind of has always had that power where he's going off about something and then she'll just be like, are you going to be quiet for a second? And then he's just
0: like, yes, ma'am, about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And Penny tells him that as Leonard's friend, he should support him with whoever he is dating. Which, Which I, I also isn't a universal thing? No. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like,
1: I mean, not to get like overly political, but the like, you guys can still be married even if, and I'm like, I couldn't be married to someone who supports Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell or Ted Cruz or Marjorie Taylor Greene or any of those people. Like, it's like a moral schism. hmm And, Here's here's Sheldon's reason. Now, whether or not a reason for not liking someone is that bad, um, that can be very subjective. There's a lot of gray areas. But, um, you know, sometimes there will be Facebook posts that go around that people will share and they'll be like, hey, if I have your rapist on my friends list, message me who they are and I will unfriend them because I don't want to associate with them. That is more of an extreme example, and I feel like there's still like a sliding scale between Leslie Winkle calls Sheldon dumbass and being a rapist, but you know there there are situations where I feel like you can be like, "No, I don't accept this um like. Example being the one friend of mine whose friendship I lost because her husband wanted to sleep with me. And then when I rejected him, he accused me of leading him on. Um, I My friendship with this woman is probably ruined forever, but the only chance it would have at being repaired is if she was no longer with him because... He got very angry with me when I rejected him. He called me things. He accused me of things. And people are like, oh, well, of course they're going to choose their spouse over their friend. It's like in some cases they shouldn't. Yeah. And the way that he treated me, she can't keep her dynamic with both of us. She can't. She either stays friends with me or she stays with this guy. And she stayed with him, and that's fine. I think long term I am probably better off without her. But you know, if, if someone was like, oh, you shouldn't lose the friendship with her because she's married to him, I'm like, try me. hmm Like, there's certain situations where that's not okay. And honestly, I could almost see the argument here if Sheldon didn't dish it back at Leslie. Like, if he was just minding his own business and she was going out of her way to insult him, I would kind of agree with Sheldon on that because she's just being a bully because she can. But Sheldon here is wanting to dish it out and not take it.
0: Yeah, in this case, like, the fact that he is, like, he attacks her basically as much as she does him, it's more of like an even back and forth with their hostility towards each other. Versus Mm -hmm. like a complete one-sidedness.
1: Just like we were talking about how like um, uh, Howard was constantly belittling Raj.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like when he was constantly making those racist jokes and doing all of that. And eventually Raj was like, yeah, I'm not tolerating this anymore. Like that would be more of a back and forth thing, especially since they were friends and like, Howard should have been able to tell that that was genuinely bothering Raj. Yeah. So it's it's very much a gray area, but I also understand that when it comes to Sheldon, sometimes you have to make a situation black and white to make him think about it.
0: Or just to get him to like do anything just be like this is the social convention this is how things work and then he's like and then well okay exactly
1: and then once you are familiar with it then you can start working out case-by-case situations yeah um like if i was gonna tell a kid like at first you have to tell kids never hit other kids and then when they're older you can introduce the self-defense shit But, like, if you tell a two-year-old, don't hit someone unless they're mean to you, they will just be justifying everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Sheldon here does decide to go up and let them know that he will overlook all of Leslie's flaws um, and withdraw his objections to their relationship.
1: I was kind of I was laughing when I was thinking about this, because when Sheldon walks in when they're kissing and is like when the two of you reach a natural stopping point, I'd like to have a word. Like, I love that line in general. It just makes me laugh. But then also before we started recording, I was telling you, I was like, oh, I like got to a natural stopping point in what I was doing this morning. And it was like an hour before we had to record. So then I started something else and then I was in the middle of it when it was time for us to go. And I wasn't even thinking about this as the episode with that joke about (laughs) a natural stopping point. But um, my sister loves that line, too. Like, these early season two episodes are the ones that we watch together. And um, when she started dating her first boyfriend, like, if they were kissing and I walked in, she would sometimes stop and be like, we're not at a natural (laughs) stopping point. Like referencing this episode, oh, that was the shittiest dude. I'm so glad she married the guy that she did and not this man, because I would probably be in prison for murder. Um, I would be, like, with that first guy, I would have been, like, that part in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Jake got, like, really excited about it and he put the picture up, and he's like, guess who just got
0: murdered? <laughs> like,
1: that would be me with this ex of my sisters. Um. Okay, so then... And Sheldon mentions the uh, loop quantum gravity being worse than string theory. And then Sheldon, Leslie challenges him on that. And they kind of get into it. And then Leslie kind of puts a line in the sand for Leonard, which her like, are you going to let him talk to me like that? First of all, like, hold your own. Mm-hmm. Like, I am never going to be someone who turns to my partner and be like, hey, are you going to, like, let this person... I'm like, I got involved in the argument, so I'm going to have the argument. Like, if my, if my partner agrees with me, they can feel free to jump in. But I feel like you've kind of already lost if you stop and you turn to someone else and go, are you going to defend my point? Mm-hmm. Like, defend your own point.
0: And, like, the thing that, like pushed her to that is sheldon saying balderdash matter clearly consists of tiny strings and it's like like, that's not not even an
1: insult it's just him arguing the it's him stating what he
0: believes to be a yeah a fact and she's just like whoa that's too far
1: no i mean there's still points where you should defend like i've talked about that uncle of mine who's been like really shitty about stuff um to me but it's like That's a lot more that was not like a debate we were having. That was him talking very like awfully about like a large group of people that I happened to be in a part of. And um, everyone's all like, oh, you just have to like smile and nod. And I'm like, no, smiling and nodding is like agreeing with it. Like mm-hmm. at that point, I kind of want people to jump in, but if you're arguing about like different schools of thought like like if if the person I'm dating is arguing that like common Core math is the way to go, and then someone else is arguing that common Core math is not the way to go, I might jump in if I agree with my partner and that type of stuff, but like also if you're getting into a discussion like that with someone else, like you kind of have to hold your own conversation, and if you're not prepared to defend your point. Then just don't jump in.
0: Yeah, and Leonard tries to like initially just be like, well, like both of them like have their like merits or something. And then though I liked like uh the like noise th- that Sheldon made when Leonard's like, <laughs> Don't do that, it's disrespectful. And Sheldon's like, I hope so. Yeah, like I was trying to be disrespectful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, I don't know enough about string versus loop theory in order to, um, um, in order to weigh in on that. Um, I have heard from more people that, um, loop quantum gravity does have more testable aspects to it than string theory. Um, which in terms of like, we we were talking like with the Nobel prize stuff in season 12, like you can't prove something that's like purely theoretical and so you kind of have to be able to test stuff on like some level but like also i don't really care enough about this specific thing to look into it so
0: yeah and then when push came to shove leonard sided with sheldon with string theory which was just too much for leslie that's her breaking point Because she asks, like, how would we raise the children? Going back to their hypothetical children. I kind of am,
1: I don't know how I feel about this deal breaker. Because, like, on one hand, I know that when people devote their lives to things, they feel very strongly about it. They don't want to believe that, like, their work is not going to go anywhere. Like, so I understand that, like, for a scientist like this that might be as important as, like, being the same religion is to somebody else. But, like, I also feel like it's kind of making fun of scientists that, like, that's the only thing that they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know how I feel about it. Um, But I know that there are certain things, uh, like, in the sport that I'm most invested in, um, there's certain specific topics that I don't think I could be in a serious relationship with someone who had the opposite opinion because it's like a it's they're like welfare situations and safety situations and while I'm not talking about like this situation is objectively good for welfare this situation is objectively bad it's not like oh should we like uh, I don't even know how to give an example without being super specific, but like there are multiple schools of thought and there are some that I am serious enough about that I feel strongly enough about um, and that there's enough discourse about that. I don't know that I could be in a long-term relationship with someone who felt very strongly about a different one because there's so many situations and contexts where arguments about it would come up. Mm-hmm. Um But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of mocking it a little bit, the way that it was done here.
0: I didn't view it as, like, mocking, like, with scientists in general that would, like, believe or act this way, but just more like with Leslie specifically, this is a specific thing that she wouldn't be able to, or that she would view this importantly.
1: Yeah, that's that's possible. But also, I feel like that's also kind of, like, establishing leslie is this just like super weird character that's like non-compatible with anything mm-hmm. um but also i kind of like that energy <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of leslie that i'm like i can relate to that and mm-hmm. i probably have some weird ass deal breakers too so hey i'll go with it mm-hmm. leslie's great leslie's one of those characters that i feel like you have to appreciate more like she's funny But like the older I get and the more I like rewatch her episodes, I'm like, this woman's iconic. (laughs) Like the first time you watch Friends, you don't really pay attention. So people say like uh, growing up is realizing that Rachel never should have gotten off the plane. And okay, look, Ross and Rachel had a lot of problematic shit. But the main argument for her not getting off the plane, there's two of them is either one, Ross sucked and she shouldn't have ended up with him, which, okay, I can see that argument. I do still ship them, but I can also definitely see that argument. Or two, she shouldn't have given up a career for a relationship. I think that that is, I feel that feminism is saying if a woman wants to do the career over the relationship, go for it. And if the woman wants to give up a career for a relationship, go for it. So Mm -hmm. I think that part of it is problematic. I don't think that that is the lesson when you get older and you become more woke or whatever and you realize, oh, my goodness, Rachel should have gone to France. No, growing up is realizing that Susan is a fucking icon. okay oh the first time i watched that show i didn't even really pay attention much to her like i knew who she was but whatever and like i go back through now and i watch her and i'm like everything this woman says is fucking hilarious and she calls ross out on his shit in the best way so much (laughs) like i think my favorite was when he commented on they had a lot of books about being a lesbian and she's like yeah well you gotta take a course otherwise (laughs) they don't let you do it like she is just so good and i'm like that is the a lesson when you grow up and you rewatch Friends, you're like, Oh, wait, that character is so underutilized. Susan aged spectacularly. <laughs> like, I love her. Um, anyway, um, the very end of this episode, I loved Sheldon's "Only nine more months until Comic Con" <laughs> because I'm also like that. Like you know how I am. I'm like, oh my goodness, like everything sucks, but in three years I'm gonna do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that is very much how I think. So um, I like how he's like, hey, like we're this close, and especially I feel like something repeating like that that you go to every year. You're like, oh only this much longer until you can do this again. Like, I I completely understand that. Like, I laugh at that because it's relatable and not because I think it's a weird thing to say.
0: Yeah. And, like, I love how, like, that does cheer up Leonard. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, awesome. But watching it this morning also kind of made me a little sad thinking about how long it's been since Comic-Con and how long it will be since the next one. Oh, God, because they're not doing it this year, right? Nope. Yeah, not this summer. They are having like a mini special, mini something in November that there's still like no details about, but it's not (laughs) going to be like anything like the full on Comic Con. So. Gotcha. Well, when I get home
1: from my trip later this summer you and me have to vaguely figure out when we're going to see each other again. Because once I get back from that trip, I have no plans on the horizon. So um, we're going to have to then be like, okay, this is vaguely when we're going to see each other because I will need something else to put my only X more months
0: until this laser on. We will start getting on those details.
1: Yeah, because this whole past year and a half, I've been like only this long until this trip. And I realized this morning I was like, shit, what am I going to be looking forward to when that's over?
0: (laughs) We'll plan something. We will. Yeah. So then the very end of the episode, the tag is just the guys back at the Renaissance Fair. And Sheldon is now in his spot costume um, analyzing the near earth civilization, so
1: um and there's actually debate about when the first corn dog was made, although Sheldon is correct here in that it was the first half of the twentieth century um but the shoot okay it's it's either it's a state fair. I should look this up. There's a, it's, it's between Minnesota and Illinois. One of them is a state fair, and one of them is like a drive-in restaurant. I don't remember if it's the Minnesota State Fair and then a restaurant in Illinois, or if it's the Illinois State Fair and a restaurant in Minnesota, but it's between Illinois and Minnesota. Um, the State Fair says that they invented the corn dog in 1941, and then the restaurant claimed that they did it first in like 45 45 um and there's no like documentation of which one okay hang on when was the first corn dog made okay The Pronto Pup vendors at the Minnesota State Fair claim to have invented the corn dog in 1941. Cozy Dog Drive-In in in Springfield, Illinois, claims to have been the first to serve corn dogs on sticks, okay, in 1946.
0: Can I just say I like both of their names?
1: (laughs) Pronto Pup and Cozy Dog? Yes. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I know that there's, like, a debate um, because when you look at the... Invention of the corn dog when you Google it, it says 1946, but that seems to be when it's on a stick. I mean, were people just eating them not on sticks? That seems so weird.
0: I guess. Like I feel like if you
1: make a corn dog, you have to put it on a stick, or it's like, oh, here's a baguette with meat inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Wiener Schnitzel used to have. I don't know if they still sell them, but they were mini corn dogs. So they were like not like. They weren't bite-sized, but they were, like, two or three bites each, and they weren't on sticks, and you would get them in, like, a handful of them in a little
1: is it, Do you think a corn dog is a sandwich? No. I agree with you on there, but I still maintain that a hot dog is.
0: Well, this is already long enough. We're not going to get into that debate. No, no, no. Not at
1: all. Not at all. But I still, I'm angry because food theory on YouTube did a thing and they decided that a hot dog wasn't a sandwich because it's not two definable pieces of bread. And I'm like, then what the fuck is a sub? (laughs) Whatever. I was going to send it to you because for a while I thought that it was going to rule in my favor. And then it said that they determined it wasn't a sandwich. And I was like, oh, Roxanne's not watching this now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll look it up myself. Food theory is a good channel, not an ad. Okay, so that was a lot.
0: Yes. Uh, That will wrap up this episode. If you guys have questions, comment suggestions, as always, you can email us at podcast at thebigbangbuzz.com or leave a comment on the website at thebigbangbuzz.com or tweet us at thebigbangbuzz with three Zs. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.